Welcome Black Sheep, welcome South Asian women and femmes, welcome LGBTQ loves of all kind. My name is Roshni and this podcast is called Becoming Enough. I'm a self-worth coach and I'm here to help you learn to let go of your old life and the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy and welcome you into your new life of high self-worth where you know your value and you trust yourself fully. I share my self-worth journey along with advice and tips for you. And I also have really amazing guests just like us who understand our backgrounds and where we came from so that we can get even more perspective on this topic. My greatest passion is talking to you about self-worth and this journey of loving ourselves and believing that we are enough. Get cozy, grab a cup of coffee, or get ready for your walk because this is going to be another beautiful episode. I hope you love it. Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode, a brand new season, and a brand new podcast name. As you heard from the intro, I did rebrand to the Becoming Enough podcast. I feel like it just speaks more to what this podcast is about and the journey that we're all on if you're here. So um, thank you so much for joining back in for a second season. I apologize that it's coming at the end of October. Um, as many of you know, if you follow me on Instagram, I hurt my leg and I had a knee contusion. So I was on crutches for like almost two months and I needed a lot of rest to get through it. I had to go to work after a little bit of time off. So there was a lot of energy that I just didn't have and I needed to kind of say use that to rest. Um, so I got a little bit behind, but today I wanted to talk about six of my biggest fears in my self-worth journey. Six of my biggest fears that I had to deal with, that I had to overcome, and in many cases that I'm still dealing with, right? Um, and I thought that would be perfect for launching this podcast on Halloween. I absolutely love Halloween and I wasn't allowed to celebrate it as a child. So this is really one of those holidays that I can kind of reclaim just for myself. Um, so I thought it was the perfect time to launch this podcast. And going forward, this podcast is going to come out every three weeks. But let's get into the content of this episode. My biggest fears on my self-worth journey, the first one that I'm going to start with is admitting that my childhood truly damaged me. And like, woof, let's just let that sink in for a minute because that is hard, right? And I think the confusing thing is when we're growing up and we are in the middle of it, you know that you don't love being treated that way. There was probably many moments where you had like a tantrum or you ran to your room and you were crying by yourself or like, you know, because you couldn't show your emotions in front of your family. Like there was probably a lot of times where you knew like, this isn't right. I'm so upset. This isn't fair. But that's also what a lot of other kids say about parents, right? My mom is so unfair. My dad is so unfair. It's hard to know what exactly qualifies as abuse and what doesn't when you're a kid and when you're going through it, right? Because you don't know that much about the world. You don't know that much about your own emotions. You don't know what narcissism is and emotional abuse or mental abuse is, right? So even though you know that things don't feel right, you may not have the language to truly convey that. Um, and also, you have to, like, you don't have a choice, right? Like, you kind of have to just live there. And, you know, there are obviously cases of people running away and people having to do what they need to do in order to get away and to be safe. Um, and even that in itself is extremely difficult if you're a minor. But for a lot of us as well, we had no choice but to deal with it, right? And there were so many times that I thought about running away. Like, there were times where I was literally plotting my escape. But then I knew like I was just going to end up in a really, really bad situation. I didn't want to end up in the downtown of some city with some like creepy man or like, you know, that was kind of the first thing that came to mind is like, how am I going to survive? There's going to be no way. I have no skills. I've never had a job before. I'm like 13. Like I'm, I know something bad is going to happen if I do that. And so I kind of had to pick my battles and I in a way, even at that time, chose myself and said, if I'm going to get out of this, I'm going to do it right. And, you know, I'm, I'm, 
actually have a huge episode coming up later um, this season about how I moved out. And uh, someone asked me that question on TikTok and I realized it kind of deserved its own podcast episode because it's such a long story and is so intertwined with my financial journey and all these other things. But to get back on topic, I had to stay there. And sometimes when you have to live in that environment and you don't really have another viable choice, you have to kind of be numb to a lot of things. And a lot of you may relate to the feeling of like, this is fine. (laughs) You know, like, you're just like, um, like, no, everything's gonna be okay. (laughs) And, um, you kind of numb yourself, right? Maybe a lot of you got into drugs or other things like that. Maybe you didn't, maybe you took your anxiety out in a different way of being a perfectionist and getting the best grades and doing everything as right as you possibly can. And, you know, whatever that coping mechanism looked like for you, a lot of us developed these feelings of being really numb. And I know I did especially. I do think that for a lot of us, it's okay to admit that we were numb at that time in our lives. It's okay to admit that we were pushing the emotions away because we had to do that in order to survive and in order to be okay. And one of the hardest things and one of the biggest fears for me as I was coming into my healing journey was how much pain I had been like filing away to feel at a later point or to never have to feel. And when I realized like, I have to feel this pain in order to start letting it go. And it wasn't even like something that I was intellectually or consciously doing. But during my healing journey, I mean, there were so many tears, there were so many breakdowns, so many panic attacks, so many moments of just absolute, like, your heart just sinks into your stomach when you realize all the things that you've gone through and how young you were when you had to deal with that. And it's so painful and opening up that Pandora's box into all the pain and feelings that I'd pushed away was so scary and overwhelming. And because it was so deep, because it had been locked away and it was deeper than conscious work, it wasn't something that I could just journal away. Like I had to literally feel everything in my body in order to push past it. And I still, you know, I'm, it's not like I did it once and I'm going to have to like move on and everything's going to be fine from here. I'm still in the process of revisiting that from time to time. And right now I'm in a really deep place of feeling attached to this innocence that I used to have. And, you know, just being a young child and doing so much um, inner child work in the past, I'm realizing that there's a part of me that I actually don't want to let go of. And that was the part of me that was just so innocent and so pure and didn't realize all these bad things about the world and who just was like love. You know, I remember that part of me. I also think not being in America helped that part of me last longer because when I lived in Kenya, you know, I was almost five uh, before I moved out um, or before we moved to the US and I grew up around all of my extended family. I was in this like preschool ever since I was two years old and I was just around so much community and so many people who loved me. And of course, when you're really little um, and you're around all these people who are taking care of you and who love you and who make you happy, I can just remember how um, in love I was with these people and with this society and everyone was just so kind. And of course, when you're young, you don't see all the all the things that may not be right, right? Like you don't notice patriarchal norms or you don't notice, you know, X, Y, and Z. So there was a lot that maybe was going on at the time that I just didn't recognize because I was so young, but I truly felt so loved and I felt like I could express that love freely. And when I moved to the US, you know, expressing your emotions was lame and all these things were considered like dorky or nerdy or not cool of you. And so, you know, this was the late 90s, early 2000s and um, that energy was just very much the culture here. So along with the culture shock and being separated from my extended family and feeling very isolated, I had to kind of learn how to not express my emotions of love or happiness. I had to try and like be cool so I could assimilate and fit in. So anyways, the whole point is that there was a big part of this innocent side of me. And I mean, parts of that, versions of that did continue on. And I think realizing that there were happy times in my home, that it's it's not like my parents are all bad. And I've never really felt that way. But 
having to dissect what I've been through um, also meant that I had to see the bad. And it's really hard to see the bad and the good at the same time when you're so entrenched in this healing work and you're feeling the bad feelings for the first time, right? I think a lot of that healing process comes up through anger and grief and pain. And then you realize that there were happy times too. And going through all of that at the same time is just really, um, it can be really overwhelming, right? It can be really hard to let yourself experience the grief and the loss that you needed to feel for everything that you didn't have and also hold this regard for the good things that happened in your childhood. And so for me right now, what I'm, what I'm struggling with is holding space for that inner child who was so innocent and realizing that communicating these really strong boundaries or getting to this place where I feel like I'm making big decisions and making adult decisions. Not only do I have to give up this idea of what it would be like if I had this perfect family, but I also have to give up this innocent side of me that still sees it that way, right? And I'm talking about a very, very young inner child who just wants things to be perfect and who wants to fix things so badly, but they can't. And to go from that person to this adult who knows that everything is kind of bittersweet and that making big life decisions without my family or without their approval, I guess, is still hard for a part of me. And it's ironic because I've been making decisions without their approval for a while, but it always felt good when they encouraged me or when they had my back or when they thought that I was doing something good. And now when it comes to something like, you know, having a wedding or um, just like the these bigger life decisions, it feels really hard to make them. And I know a part of myself is stopping myself from committing to these bigger things or making these bigger decisions because I know it either means doing it with them and risking it not being about me or not being great or doing it without them and then putting kind of this massive line, not even just like a line, but like a crater in between us because that's what it means if you have a wedding without your parents there in Indian culture, right? Even in a lot of other cultures, like it's a big deal. And so there's a lot of different factors where I'm kind of at this place in my life where I'm like, what's it going to be? And that decision, that emotional reaction is really, really difficult because a big part of me does still want to hold on to this hope that it's going to be fine. And I've, I've come across that feeling of, no, but it'll be okay one day, it'll be okay one day, many times. And sometimes I've believed it a lot more than others because I did see changes and it did seem like everything was going to work out. Um, and then now, you know, I'm, I've kind of backtracked and I'm here again. And I think that's what it means when people say healing isn't linear, right? We all go through these ups and downs and these kind of back and forth push and pull moments. And we have to kind of find our equilibrium amongst it all. And But that's kind of where I find myself in this big fear of admitting that my childhood damaged me, admitting that maybe this hope is just this like childhood coping mechanism that I've been relying on. A lot of those feelings are really painful, but at the same time, they're, they're necessary to feel and to go through on our healing journeys and in this process of finding our worth and standing in our power. And number two is also um, a tough one. I mean, I feel like these are all tough. So looking at these and um, and doing some reflecting on these was definitely tough. So every time I look down at one, I'm like, oh God, yeah, that was really hard. <laughs> but um, number two is releasing my identity of being an overachiever slash perfectionist. So as I mentioned in number one, you know, a lot of people deal with the backlash from their parents um, or this kind of conditional love by doing everything we can possibly do, trying to be as perfect as we possibly can. Um, and that is really difficult. So I've said this before, but perfectionism is just the shame of not being perfect. It's not that everything you do is perfect. And I used to think, oh, well, I'm not a perfectionist because like 
I'm not perfect. Like my grades aren't perfect. Everything about me isn't perfect. And like, I always did get high grades. I got, you know, mostly A's, but sometimes there would be like an A minus, or sometimes there would be an A instead of an A plus. And that to me was enough to convince me that I wasn't perfect. And I didn't even deserve the title of calling myself a perfectionist. But when you think about it as the shame of not being perfect, that starts to align with you so much more. And Brene Brown has actually said this. That's where I got this idea from but I've also followed uh, Sam Laura Brown a lot and for years, um, and she really helped me with this. She founded the Perfectionism Project podcast and I like that carried me through my early and mid twenties. And I learned so much about myself and what to do from that podcast and from her work. I would say that the big thing here was I got so much of my self-worth and so much self-esteem through my identity of being good at what I do, right? For so long, I got to kind of live through this identity of, you know, I do it all. I work hard, play hard. And I, you know, I'm just this person who like has it together, even though I also at the same time felt like I very much didn't have it together compared to the people around me. But I feel like it came off that way. Um, at least a a lot of the time. And I, I feel like there's a lot of contradictory messages um, in, in my life story and in these times that um, I'm describing because a lot of the times, especially in college where I really did have, you know, multiple jobs and was getting good grades and had it all together, I also was drinking a lot, partying a lot. Realizing that I could just make a mistake and that everything would be okay was huge for me. And, you know, when I graduated college and I got into my first job, I did everything. I did everything so quickly. I was on time with everything. I was, um, you know, giving additional ideas, taking on additional projects, even like pitching certain ideas that I then had the liberty to work on. Um, so I was doing so much all of the time. And I realized like after a while, well, you don't get rewarded for this like you do in school. You don't get extra credit or an A plus or this or that. I realized at that time in my life that I hid behind productivity for everything, right? I was like, well, if I can just do more, achieve more, be more, then I'll be fine. And part of that was a way to stave off the shame from not being perfect. But also a lot of it was this feeling that I will be worthy because I'm productive. And that's what our school system and our college system teach you. I had to realize that like you don't get a reward for going above and beyond. You don't get um, anything for doing more work than what you're supposed to except for more work to do and more pressure on yourself. And it, through that and through starting my business and realizing what I did care about, I had to just start letting go of productivity being my worth. And so my journey was very focused on, okay, well, I need to scale back because this isn't going to give me the result that I think it's going to give me, right? I was so used to overworking and overachieving for so long, and it felt like there was something at the end of it, whether that's a perfect GPA or a job after college. But now I have that, and doing all this extra work is actually only burning me out. And on top of that, that was around the time that I started my business as well. So like, I didn't know how to relax at the time, but I realized through my business, like making YouTube videos before I even had a website or doing anything else that I would, I would stress out so much about, am I going to say one wrong thing? Am I going to even trip up over my words? Like I would get so mad at myself and re-record things. I would re-record entire videos sometimes because one thing about it wasn't perfect. There was a lot that I was constantly fighting against and doing that was stressful for me because I couldn't let go of this need for everything to be perfect. That eventually led to me playing small and I realized that through, you know, after a year or two of, of doing YouTube and doing other things, I was like, I'm barely growing. I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not, I'm not feeling like I'm moving forward in any way. And I realized that it's because I was playing small. I was so focused on being perfect that I was afraid to put myself out there because I was like, I can't put myself out there unless everything that I do is flawless and perfect because I was so convinced that I wasn't perfect because I felt such a shame of being imperfect. I played really small. I didn't take as many risks as I could have. And I know I start everyone starts somewhere on their journey, but looking back on it, um, and even through some of those moments, I realized like, wow, I'm, I don't have the energy behind this that I should have. Yes, I'm doing the work. Yes, I'm consistently uploading, but also because it's coming from such a place of scarcity, lack, 
in absolute stress. I'm just not moving forward in the way that I need to and this process itself is not becoming enjoyable because I'm just like almost torturing myself with it. I eventually eventually I had to let go of that fear of not being perfect and I had to say I'm either going to try and be perfect and stay so small that it's pointless that I'm even doing this work or I have to admit that I'm not perfect, admit that I'm going to make mistakes and do the damn thing anyway and really start putting myself out there and let myself be seen imperfections and all. And that was truly like my biggest fear because I was so used to this conditional love and I assumed that everyone was going to place that conditional love on me. And I mean, we all know that the internet is ruthless, right? So to really say like, I don't care, I'm putting myself out there and doing it as much as I can, that was a huge, huge step for me. And it happened in these little micro steps in these little increments. Um, but eventually I got to this place where I can really say like, you know what, if there's, if there's a mistake, I'm not going to torture myself for it. I'm not going to punish myself for it. I'm going to fix it and move on. And I'm not going to be so focused on every single detail that I can't achieve the point of what I'm trying to achieve, right? Um, like if I'm here helping people and I'm so stuck on every single word that I use, I'm not going to help people in the way that I can because I'm staying in this confining little box. Whereas if I kind of throw that to the wind and really just start saying what I'm trying to say, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not academic, even if it doesn't sound like a freaking essay, that that might be even more helpful, right? Number three is I was afraid to get accustomed to loneliness, but at the same time also afraid to give up my hyper independence. And these two things are very related in hindsight. As I was going through college and navigating my way through the entire college system and all my classes and everything that I needed to do, I didn't have an example of someone who'd done that before me who could guide me through it. And even before that in high school, like, yes, my parents would maybe help me pick out some of my classes. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I had to do a lot of it on my own. And over time, I was so used to being this hyper independent person that didn't let anyone in and was so afraid to be vulnerable. So I had to realize that like, I can't be this hyper independent person forever. I, I can't not let anyone else in, um, even if I'm so afraid of being vulnerable, because I'm just tired, like I'm just exhausted and I can't keep this up. I just felt like I, even when I was exhausted and even when I was burnt out, I couldn't give up control. But after being that way for years and realizing that, you know, I was still acting that way when I had a full-time job and when I had a whole, you know, house or apartment to take care of and I had all these responsibilities, like I really couldn't do it on my own. And at a certain point, it was also kind of hurting my relationship at the time during the first few years of my relationship because I would take on all this stress and put everything on myself pressure wise that then I would explode on my partner and be like, I can't, I can't take this anymore. I can't do this. And he'd be like, well, let me help. Let me do something for you. And it was so hard for me to give up that control even when I needed the help, right? And I think a lot of you can relate to that. And a lot of people who have been through trauma can relate to that feeling of being like, you can't do it right. But at the same time, I'm like running myself into the grave by trying to do it all. And so eventually when I let him in and I let him start taking over little things here and there, um, and this is also like not just, I'm not talking about like household chores, like that was always something that was divided, but little places that I needed extra help, little things that I needed him to do that I couldn't put on my plate anymore, I started a, relaxing in terms of having to get everything done all the time. And again, this goes back to the perfectionist note of realizing that not everything's going to be perfect. But then I also had to let him help out in different ways or I had to realize that I just can't do everything. So I would just leave things undone and then he would do them. That vulnerability was actually really hard for me. Because the moment that I started letting someone in, I realized how 
deeply lonely I felt for so long. For a lot of us, I mean, you wouldn't have to be hyper-independent if you weren't somewhat lonely, if you didn't feel alone. That loneliness comes from this idea that you can't depend on anyone else, that you can't be vulnerable with anyone else, that you can't trust anyone else. All of those feelings are just feelings of loneliness and despair and also come with this idea of grief and loss of what you didn't have. Like all these people who have a close-knit family and all these siblings and they have someone to call whenever they need help or need advice or need someone to calm them down. I didn't have that. A lot of you didn't have that. And when we didn't have those options, we had to shove our feelings aside and get everything done. When you do that over and over and over and over again, you are ingraining within yourself that you don't have anyone else in your life, that you have to do everything on your own. And again, like these are coping mechanisms that helped us survive. So don't demonize the mechanism because it got you to where you are. But if you're ready to start letting that go, if you have a couple of friends who are part of your, you know, community that you really trust, if you have a partner that you really love and trust, even if you have some family member that has proved that that you can trust them and that they're there for you, start taking those opportunities to rely on them a little bit or ask them, you know, for little things. It doesn't have to be anything huge, but over time you can learn how to let go of all of that control and release that burden of being the only person in your life who can help. And that is so beautiful and you truly deserve to not have to have everything else on your plate. You deserve to have this time and space for yourself and this ability to rely on other people. Honestly, nothing is more beautiful than that. And I've felt like I've grown so much by allowing myself to depend on others. And I've learned how to be compassionate to myself. When you're hyper-independent, and again, going back to the perfectionism and what I've already talked about, when you feel like you have to control everything, do everything, be everything, you're actually not being very kind to yourself. Like think about if an employer was doing that to you, right? Or even a partner. I'm actually not going to do anything. I'm not going to take care of any anything, but you have to do more and you have to do more. And I don't care if you're sick and I don't care if you're hurt. I don't care if you need rest. You have to do more, more, more all the time. If someone else was telling you to do that, you would be like so furious, so angry and just feel completely disrespected. And yet we do that to ourselves for free. <laughs> and we disrespect ourselves in that process. So, um, and some of these things, like if you really don't have other people in your life, there's so many aspects in our society that can help us automate things, right? Whether it's getting help with someone cleaning your house once a month or, you know, taking all your clothes to a, to a dry cleaner, um, or, you know, having someone else shop your groceries for you and using Instacart or, you know, these little things might be ways that you can help yourself take that pressure off of yourself and still have a, a sense of community, a sense of being able to depend on someone else, even if it's a system or a business that's helping you. That's still okay. Um, so whatever that looks like in your life, get a little creative and figure out what you can do to take the pressure off. And maybe that also just means saying no to some commitments that you have um, so that you have more time to, to rest. But again, learning that self-compassion and practicing that is so, so important. We're taking a quick break from this episode to talk about the magic of self-worth coaching sessions. All of my self-worth coaching sessions are individualized and personalized to meet you where you are. This isn't you joining a course or some sort of pre-written formula. This is really about finding you where you are in your journey of healing your self-worth and building your self-worth, as well as undoing the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy. And we really do a deep dive into how you're feeling right now and the thoughts and habits that are going on within your mindset that are continuing the patterns that you're living over and over again. I also want you to know that because a lot of us come from difficult or traumatic backgrounds, these sessions are not built for you to revisit your trauma or to talk about all of your most painful memories. Of course, I'm always here to hold space for you if that is what you need to do, but life coaching isn't about diving into the past. It's about 
about meeting you where you are and seeing what we can do to make little tweaks to move forward. One of the biggest pillars of my coaching sessions as well is that you are the expert on your own life, meaning that this isn't about me telling you what to do or telling you how to live or the changes you need to make. What we're doing together is working on your mindset and building up certain habits or thought patterns that allow you to communicate with yourself to deepen your self-trust and to follow your own intuition. And the difference between a self-worth coaching session with me and a session with a different life coach is that I understand the black sheep experience and I understand what it's like to go through life being raised as a South Asian woman or femme. Our experiences are unique. And it can be so frustrating when you're trying to explain to a coach or to a therapist how our family systems work. I've had so many clients tell me how relieved they are that I just understand how they feel or how certain advice just doesn't apply to our collectivist cultures. But my biggest passion is helping you see that no matter where you came from or what kind of family you were raised in, you absolutely deserve to be loved, seen, and heard. Your first coaching session is always available at a discount, but even for subsequent sessions, I do also offer payment plans. You can learn more about self-worth coaching at my website, www.bettygrewup.com. That's B-E-T-I grewup.com. And if you'd like a payment plan for your intro session or for any other coaching sessions, just fill out the contact form on my website so that I can get back to you with more information and a payment plan that works for you. You can find my website linked below in the show notes. Now, back to our episode. Number four is releasing my relationship anxiety because let me tell you, this plagued me. And I honestly thought I was the only person, like I don't even know the term relationship anxiety. It's literally 1111 as I'm looking at the clock. So this might resonate with a lot of you, but um, relationships are hard. And when you are hyper independent, when you have done everything for yourself, when you are a perfectionist, you it's so hard to be with someone else when you can't control them. And controlling someone else is always a slippery slope and is honestly toxic behavior. So you can't do that in relationships. You shouldn't be doing that. It's kind of like if you'd rather control someone else, then it's better to just be single. Like if you can't really let go of that behavior, you're probably not being a good partner. It's important to truly commit to another person when you're in a relationship. And it sounds like, well, duh, that's what relationships are. But a lot of the times when we get into relationships, we've been through so much in our past that it's hard to be that vulnerable and that trusting of another person. And even when someone is so close to you that they could literally like ruin your life if they wanted to um, because they know so much about you and they probably know your vulnerabilities or I don't even like to call them weaknesses, but you know what I mean. It, it takes a lot of strength to come from a background like the background that you and I likely came from and to put all of that aside to have this healthy relationship, right? So be patient with yourself, first of all. But second of all, relationship anxiety is a real thing and a lot of us you know feel like or at least I can speak to my experience but I, I just thought what if this isn't right what if um everything in my life is destroyed what if we break up and I have no one what if like all these random things were just plaguing my mind and I always felt like you know what what if there's something better what if there's someone who has it more together and blah 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 like all these thoughts were just kind of never ending and it wasn't even about my partner because my partner was great but like I would even talk to my friends about how I was feeling from time to time and a lot of my friends in relationships were like wait I literally feel the same way like I worry about that all the time and then I eventually found relationship um, anxiety like Instagram accounts with coaches or with other people who talked about how this is a fear that so many people have or that even they themselves have gone through and I realized okay I'm not like this isn't about this one person that I'm with because looking at my actual past looking at my history with the person that I'm with right now 
I've grown so much. Every year has gotten better and better financially, but also um, in terms of our communication, in terms of me getting to know myself, like I've still, I think a lot of people will put their own self-discovery on pause while they're in a relationship and um, just kind of make their whole identity about the relationship. But when I thought about it, I was like, I didn't even start healing until I was in this relationship because I finally felt safe enough to. Um, and obviously, I mean, my whole business and this podcast is really focused around my own self-discovery and I have been in a relationship this entire time, right? So when I looked at the actual facts and the actual history of my life, I realized like whether or not I stay with this person forever or I don't, this relationship has had a positive impact on me. And also I've continued to show up for myself. I haven't made this relationship the only thing that's going on in my life. And um, that has been really beautiful and really insightful to look at and to focus on more than just, oh, is this person right? Or like, am I going to regret everything about this? Right. And I also want to hold space for if you're currently in this situation, or maybe you're putting a relationship on hold, maybe you have someone that you really like, really like but uh, you're afraid to commit and to take it and to, you know, move forward from that point because you're holding yourself back because you are afraid of these anxieties or these fears or you feel like you're being dumb by prioritizing a relationship or whatever those feelings are hold space for yourself for yourself and be compassionate with yourself because it's a big journey to go on and when you have been betrayed and when you have been taught conditional love it's really hard to rewrite all of those fears and all of those lessons at the same time, though, a healthy relationship can be such an important part of rewriting generational trauma. And obviously, only if you want, like, if you desire a relationship, if you don't, or you prefer to be single, or you don't like monogamy, like whatever, you know, this applies to whatever kind of relationship you you feel like or you desire. And only if you desire and want one, it can be such an important part of healing those generational cycles because a lot of us didn't grow up with examples of the best relationships. And that could be whether your parents are together or not together. Um, just because they're not divorced doesn't mean that there isn't toxicity in that relationship. And so if you desire a relationship and you are able to do that in a healthy way, that is still really, really important and beautiful healing work. And to go through this healing process in the realm of love and in the realm of safety in a positive relationship, it can be so transformative because having someone else stick by you and actually love you, even when they're seeing you make mistakes and being imperfect and even when you get into fights, can teach you what unconditional love truly is like. Unconditional love doesn't mean that you don't get mad at each other or fight with each other, right? Or even call each other out on each other's bullshit. Like, that's what a good friendship is that's what a good relationship is with anyone in your life you can't just be each other's yes men all the time and so you know there's a difference between a toxic relationship where you're fighting all the time and a relationship that calls you out and acts as a mirror so that you can see where you're maybe being wrong or even for you to be that reflection of your partner and help them see where they're not being the best that they can be navigating that was was really difficult and took a lot of years I would say like I really didn't even stop feeling some level of anxiety until like five years in six years in but around that four to five year mark is when I learned what relationship anxiety was and started recognizing that I have that and doing work to uh, prevent that really from like taking over my life ironically realizing and working through my relationship anxiety taught me how to trust myself more than anyone else around me and it also really really deepened my relationship with myself and the reason I say that is because I had to realize that like I'm putting too much into another person and not giving myself enough credit um, because before I didn't realize that it was my fear of us breaking up that was actually causing the anxiety. So in a lot of ways, I was like, well, we should just break up now. In my mind, I was like, well, I, I just need to end this now because I was feeling like I, I was putting too much outside of my own control. Again, this really relates to hyper-independence. 
But through this work of healing and questioning where my anxiety came from and learning more about myself, my coping mechanisms, and my relationship, I realized that like I was putting too much power into this one thing and into this one part of my life. If we ever did, you know, God forbid, break up or something happened, I know that I can be okay on my own because I've always been okay, but it's not coming from this place of having to put my defenses up and building a moat around like this tower that is my life and locking myself away. I knew that I can still put myself out there and still make friends and still build community and still have love in my life regardless of what happened. So instead of putting so much emphasis into this relationship being like this make it or break it moment of my life, I realized, you know what? I need to put all of my trust in myself. I trust myself to always be okay. I trust myself to always make the right decisions for myself, whether that's being in a relationship or being single. I trust myself to be okay and to do what's right for me no matter what. And ironically, learning how to be okay with depending on someone else and being vulnerable with another person and inviting another person in, communicating with another person, that taught me that ultimately I trust and I love myself so much. And I also learned how to deepen my relationship with myself because I actually had a very serious conversation. My partner and I both did um, almost a year, year and a half ago, I think. It was quite some time ago. And we realized like very openly, we have been putting each other before a lot of other things that we want to do in our life. We both had hobbies and other things that we were maybe putting on hold to hang out with one another and spend time with one another. And um, maybe that was right for us at a different point in our life, but we both were like, you know what? We can't not do the things that we want to do as individuals for each other. So we had a very open conversation and we were like, you know what? We have to be individuals first and foremost and then be together. And it's not like any of our hobbies or interests like compromise the relationship or did anything bad. We both just had to serve ourselves as individuals and do what made us feel passionate and made us feel excited. And so we kind of made that commitment to ourselves with each other and building that relationship of me being okay spending time alone, going out and doing things alone instead of waiting until we can do them together, um, putting more time and energy into my business or spending all this time nurturing my other friendships and relationships has only added more to my life. Realizing that even though society shows us this through media and through other things, we can be healthy partners and be in a healthy relationship and still do all the things that we want to as individuals, or at least do a lot of them. And that doesn't mean having to sacrifice each other or even put each other last, because I wouldn't say that that's how it is anyway. So that deepened my relationship with myself. And I've also learned so much about communication through my relationship as well, because there used to be fights and arguments and yelling. And now there's just kind of like calm conversations, knowing that it's possible to disagree with another person and yet still not have that be the end of my world or be the biggest thing that's going on in my life because it's an explosive fight that's destroying everything else around me. Um, those realizations were also important. That helped me build that relationship with myself and trust myself because I could honor what my individual self needed and communicate that to a partner. It helped me prove to myself that I'm committed to myself enough to communicate what I need. And, and to see that being reflected back to me through respect and through another person saying, okay, if this is what you need, I got you. I can help you with this. I can do something for you. That to me is so beautiful. Finding that balance where you both feel heard and respected and also where you don't feel like you're giving up who you are at the core or you're not giving up these opportunities to discover yourself and learn about yourself. So the fifth fear that I had to confront um, is actually a two-parter, but it's my fear of failure and my fear of success. Um, and this is actually a part of my Not Your Betty course uh, for South Asian women is talking about this dichotomy and talking about what each of these individual fears are like and how they impact us. So starting with the fear of failure, 
I was taught to be perfect. I prided myself on being perfect, as I spoke about earlier, and I was also trained with conditional love. So I was so afraid of failure because I didn't know if I could stand myself, if I failed, or if I was unsuccessful. I felt like I was risking parental love to choose my own path so that if I failed or when I failed, I had to admit how much they were right and how much I wasn't good enough. So when you have that kind of pressure on yourself and you're putting all of that onto yourself, it just feels like this boulder that you can never climb. And I think for a lot of us, especially South Asian women, but even for black sheep, if you are going against the grain of what your parents say, if you're choosing your own career or your own path or your own lifestyle, as they might say, and you know that you're sacrificing their parental love um, in order to choose yourself, it feels like, okay, well, I'll choose myself and I'll, and I'll do the thing, but as long as I'm perfect and as long as nothing goes wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I had to confront the realization that there is a chance that nothing could work out. There's a chance that I could risk this parental love, risk all these decisions, not do exactly what they want and when and how they say to, and I could completely fall flat on my face and they could have been right about everything. And I would feel so awful because not only did I fail and not only did I choose myself and it didn't work out, but then I also risked their love or their approval for nothing. That's a very real and deeply ingrained fear because as I talk about on this podcast all the time, we all need to be seen, loved, and heard. That primary love comes from our parental figures and comes from our family. So when you don't have that, I mean, you nothing is more isolating than that feeling of not having their love. Not like the people that you were born to or who signed up to take care of you. Like admitting that they don't have my back and I don't have them in the way that is supportive and that I need them is so painful and so isolating. So to really say I'm willing to give that up, to choose my own path, to be myself, to validate myself is like gut-wrenching. And a lot of the time we cope with that through perfectionism and returning to that, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to be hyper-independent. I'm going to figure this all out by myself. And no matter what, it's going to work because it has to. That kind of pressure is not conducive to making good choices or making a great life for yourself or a great career. So I had to realize like, I'm okay with this decision, whether I succeed or whether I fail. I'm okay with pursuing this business, whether it succeeds or fails. I'm okay with pursuing my relationship, whether it succeeds or fails. All of these things are so hard to do because it makes you so vulnerable. And that's the one thing that we don't like doing or being. <laughs> but at the same time, it helps you grow and it helps you realize that like, again, you, you have this beautiful relationship with yourself and you can put more into the community around you because you realize how much you need them and cherish them and value their support and their love for you. The next thing that I want to talk about is that fear of success as well. And as I spoke earlier in the perfectionism piece, I felt so much safer playing small. And to me, success meant playing big, but I couldn't really admit that. And I wanted it so bad and I saw other people doing it and I felt so inspired, but I was like, how will I ever get there? Because I'm so afraid of putting myself out there. When I was first starting my business, I, like I said, started that YouTube channel. It was brand new and I didn't tell a soul about it. I would put out these consistent weekly videos, but part of me even felt really proud about the content that I was putting out. and. A big part of me also felt really sad that I wasn't being recognized or being seen or that I wasn't getting a lot of views or followers. But at the same time, I literally did not market myself. I didn't put myself out there. I didn't tell a single person, you know, other than my partner that I had this channel. And so I did nothing to help other people see it or to help myself play big. And even when I started an Instagram, I finally decided to start an Instagram for my business. And I previously had a personal Instagram with like, almost a thousand followers. I wasn't really big into using social media at all um, when I was, you know, growing up or when I was in college or anything. So the people that I had on my personal Instagram obviously were just people that I knew in real life. And I decided I didn't want any of them to know about my business. I only wanted people who cared about my business to know about it. And in some ways, like, I guess that's cool. It's 
I didn't want to like spam anyone that I knew, but also people have the power to unfollow me. People have the power to opt in or opt out, right? And I didn't want that. I didn't want to deal with the rejection of people unfollowing me. I was way too afraid to put myself out there around people that I knew. So I started all over. And it's not to say that these decisions are necessarily wrong, but at the time I wasn't doing myself any favors because as much as I was staying in my comfort zone in little ways and playing big when I could and then backtracking and then playing small, I was also putting all this pressure and shame on myself for not being successful faster, for not doing more. And, you know, I'd watch these videos of like YouTubers or influencers or people with their own businesses and these entrepreneurs who are like, yeah, I worked really hard for a year and then I made it. And I'm now I make like 10K a month and I make like 50K a month. And I am not gonna be that if I'm growing at this rate. And this is where my spiritual journey also helped a lot because as I started healing, I eventually discovered spirituality and my spirituality and was kind of starting to learn what it all meant. And I was starting to believe in the universe for the first time and realize what that meant and what that looked like. Every time that I felt like giving up, every time that I was like, I can't take this anymore, this isn't going anywhere, this isn't going to be what I want it to be, I'm just already a failure, so I might as well just stop stressing out about this and just actually enjoy my life. I would have someone, you know, tell me, hey, you know, this video really made a difference for me. I would have someone comment on my videos or send me a message on Instagram or comment on my Insta and say something along those lines of like, you made a difference for me. I really liked this. I enjoyed this. This helped me. This was really useful. And, you know, sometimes I would even have people say like, you really changed my life. You made a big difference in my life. And like, that's all I wanted to hear. And I remember when I first started this business, I was like, if I can help change one person's life, I know that I'm not going to be a failure. And now, you know, I've worked with so many clients. I've given out so many readings in person and online and coached people and helped, you know, um, through workshops and made these relationships with clients and with other people who I've helped. And I see that so much more, but sometimes it was just that one little comment, that one thing that someone said to me that actually helped me keep going. And I swear to you, it was every time I felt serious about giving up every time I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, I'm just not doing anything else for this. Again, this is never going to work. The universe always put someone right in front of me who said, no, this helped. This made a difference. And those little things kept me going and pushing through that fear of both failure and success at the same time while navigating, you know, my childhood healing and, and all these emotions and feelings that I've been putting aside for so long and also at the same time like stopping using uh, drugs and alcohol to help me cope like I was doing all of that at the same time and I wish I could have seen back then how strong I was and how much I was doing for myself but I didn't give myself that credit and now I look back and give myself so much credit and I'm so grateful for my younger self because I was doing all of that at 22 or 23 without like Again, without without guidance, without someone telling me that I had to. And yet it got me to where I am now and that built the foundation for this adult that I've become in my life. Um, and I still feel like I need to have more gratitude and more respect for all of the work that my past self has done for me. But that power and that magic of putting myself out there, of other people um, telling me that I helped them really made such a big difference and kept me going on this journey. It felt like my belief in myself and my trust in my talent, my trust in my value, in the value of the work and the coaching that I bring to the world, that eventually so far outweighed my fears of success and failure and my fears of being imperfect on video forever and all of these other things, right? The last big fear that I want to talk about is the fear that I'm not doing it all on time. And as I get older and, you know, I'm in, I'm 28 now, so I'm in my late 20s and I see all these people around me, you know, sometimes they have two kids, sometimes they have a kid, they have a wedding, they have a house, they have all these things. And again, a lot of the people that I grew up with either through my hometown or that I went to college with are very, very wealthy, very rich. So for a lot of them, you know, their parents like gave them the down payment for a new condo or for a new house or you know like they had major 
privilege and financial blessings and helping them move forward. These parents had like these huge wedding budgets for them. A lot of these people have, haven't had to have a job yet and they're still, you know, going to school and doing all these things, which is beautiful and great and wonderful for them. But like, I didn't have the same experience. And so I find myself comparing myself to all of these people who are wealthy or at the very least, like very high upper middle class. And I just can't relate. Like I don't own a house yet. I don't have a like my parents don't have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on three different weddings for me. Um, and that's okay. But I think a lot of you may also relate to this. I, I know a lot of people out there can relate to feeling like you're behind or you're just not doing everything that you're supposed to. And obviously our world looks very different from the world of our parents or all these people who are like, well, I had a job and two kids and I was married by the time I was 25 and blah, blah, blah. Like that's just not how it works anymore. And we all know that. But I think I have also let go of wanting a lot of these things because it was important to me above everything to protect my peace and because I have built so much validation and so much self-worth within myself I, I've almost had to. I've had to validate myself. I've had to feel worthy and believe in myself because if I didn't, like I said, I would have given up a long time ago on my business. I would have given up on this path that I'm choosing for myself a long time ago. And the amount of validation that other people give you for getting married and like, you you know, the bride this, the bride that, getting, you know, having kids, like everything's about the baby and, and who you are as this pregnant person. And now everything, you know, like you get gifts for it, you get money for it, you get help for it, you get attention for it. And I'm not saying that any of these things are wrong, if but they should come from your own desire, not the desire of people around you. And so because I chose my own path, and because I'm not 28, and I'm not married, and yes, I'm in a relationship, but like, I also don't own a house, I don't have, you know, a perfect career, Career. I'm not making six figures in my business. I'm not, you know, doing all these things that other people give you kudos for and who and other people admire you and give you attention for. And because of that, I feel like I've kind of been forgotten in a lot of ways. Like, you know how people say like, oh, well, just like we have baby showers, there should be a business shower. There should be something for like people who are starting their own businesses or becoming their own entrepreneurs. But there's nothing like that in our society to celebrate these people that are taking huge risks, making massive moves, but we just don't have a, a way for people to celebrate that. People don't celebrate those things. And I feel like that's me, right? Like I, I do a lot and I'm so proud of myself, but if I wasn't giving that recognition to myself, if I wasn't letting myself see that, I would be nowhere. Like I, I had to rely on myself for that worth and for that validation. And because I have had to do that for so long, I stopped doing things to make other people happy. And I stopped doing things just because they told me that I should, because validation not only comes from taking these steps like getting married and, and feeling secure and buying a house and having kids but it also comes from people's approval and when other people can understand you and put you in a box of like okay now you're married okay now you're a mother okay now you're this you're that when people put you in that box they can understand you better they can say okay well you've done what you need to do now I'm gonna like leave you alone with all of these questions that I have and all of these judgments that I have. And the thing is, at the same time, they're still going to judge how you raise your kids. They're still going to judge your marriage. They're still going to judge your house. They're going to judge how much money you have. Like we think, or when we're younger, we think like, okay, well, I just need to do this and then I'll be fine. And then I'll have their approval. And it never works like that. The judgment never stops. So that's why I was like, if I'm not going to do these things for myself, then I'm not going to do it for anyone else. Because like, it's not like it's going to fix the issue anyway. I've had to detach from a lot of these people and realize that they're not going to validate my choices. And I, I have to just be okay that I feel left out from this collective desire for these things and to just pursue my own path. And I'm so grateful for the internet because the internet has connected me to other people who are child-free or other people who um, are just like single happy women or other people who are entrepreneurs or, you know, whatever description they use for themselves. I feel like I relate to a lot of that. That makes me feel 
so much better because I know that I'm not alone in this choice, even if they're not people who I have in my real life, right? That collective idea of, well, we all just don't get it. We don't have to live this way. We don't have to, you know, check off these boxes and do X, Y, and Z. That makes me feel like I have some sort of community, even if it's just online, who understands why I would make these decisions, who understands that I'm not going to have a kid just to have a kid, or I'm not going to get married just to get married. Like these are big life decisions and I want to do them out of pure internal desire to do those things. Not for the money, not to make anyone else happy, not for the gifts, not for the attention. Like none of that means anything to me because I already haven't had that for so long and I've been fine and I've been strong and creative and happy with where I am. So again, like self-worth is freedom and self-worth is standing in your own power. And that's why I'm so passionate, especially about the communities of Black Sheep and South Asian women and femmes um, doing this work and realizing how much they can value themselves and love themselves and trust themselves. And that's because a lot of people aren't going to applaud us for doing every little thing. I mean, as a South Asian woman, you're expected to do everything for everyone without any sort of gratitude or thanks. It's just your baseline expectation. For black sheep, you are the scapegoat of the family. Everyone blames everything on you. Everyone, you know, uses you for their own ego or for their own narcissistic gain and no one actually sees you. It's time for you to value and connect with yourself and love and cherish yourself in a way that hasn't been done before. So many of the fears that I went over ultimately brought me closer to unconditional love for myself and this intrinsic sense of value that I always talk about because that's what self-worth is, right? And the more that you have your self-worth coming from your job or from your financial status or from your relationship status, the more that you're giving away your power because you're saying, okay, well, I, I'm like, I love myself and I feel so worthy and so accomplished, but if this job fires me, I'm going to be absolutely done and just so depressed and I'm not going to know who I am anymore. Same thing for a relationship. Same thing for putting all of your worth and all of your value into your own children. You need to stand up on your own two feet. And when you do that, it's the most powerful, beautiful feeling of all time. And it makes you feel so accomplished. And because you have that power back, you then can actually be more vulnerable with the people around you. You can say, you know what? I love you and I care about you so much because deep down you also know that your validation doesn't depend on what they think of you or how they feel about you or if you're making the right decisions according to them. You can be more vulnerable in taking risks because your entire worth doesn't come from your job or come from the money that you have and it gives you so much more freedom to move around and play around and have fun with life and for south asian women and femmes and black sheep life was not fun our childhood was not fun we dealt with so much bullshit we had to be adults as children we had all this pressure on ourselves we had other people relying on us we maybe had to raise our own siblings everyone else who was younger than us every even our own parents so that's not a fun, free, exciting way to live life. And when you're an adult and when you can take your power back and give yourself almost like a second childhood, why wouldn't you? And this work, again, is just so, so, so important because it's truly given me my life back. And that's why, again, I'm not going to stress out because I'm not married yet or I'm not going to stress out because I don't have kids because I'm enjoying my life for the first time in ever. <laughs> I'm enjoying my freedom for the first time ever. And that to me is more precious and more beautiful than anything else in the world right now. And when my priorities change, I'll let them change and I'll let them evolve. And then I trust myself to make the right decision for myself at that point. I just want to share again that this work has changed my life and if this is something that you want to work towards or if you feel like you relate to a lot of the things that I've mentioned in this podcast and you want to start going on this journey of healing your self-worth with someone who understands what it's like to come from a family that doesn't always value you and is, you know, toxic or abusive or 
narcissistic and you just feel lost and misunderstood, like self-worth coaching is definitely for you. I don't think that there's really a lot of people who haven't done healing before who listen to this podcast. Maybe there are, and if there are, you're absolutely still welcome here. But I feel like most people, by the time they find me, they've already been on their healing journey, right? So you don't have to be like this person who's broken and just like disheveled. Like you can have a lot of practice and a lot of work that you've already done on your own healing journey. And right now you just feel like is the right time to work with me and to build your self-worth. And that's why I have self-worth coaching sessions that are individual and that are also very personalized because you may only need three sessions to get to where you're going. You may need one session a month for a year, like whatever you need, I'm here for you. And the reason that I personalize every coaching session is because I want to meet you where you are. This isn't you going into some sort of existing formula. This isn't me checking off some boxes and saying, okay, we need to work on this first and then this and then this. I want to meet you where you are so that we can investigate the beliefs that are holding you back right now and look at your mindset right now and how that's affecting you moving forward. So I also want you to know that this isn't going to be a space of you having to rehash your whole childhood and go back into these pa painful memories because I strongly believe that sometimes that can re-traumatize you. Um, again, there's called the window of tolerance, which is about whether going back to a traumatic moment is going to help you or actually hurt you. And so I don't need need you to recount your whole childhood to me and I think sometimes that's a big fear that people have that they're gonna have to go back to all these painful memories. Life coaching is more about taking where you are now and learning how to get unstuck or move forward or deal with something that has been holding you back for quite some time and when you give yourself the space and the time to do that you can do it from where you are in the present moving forward because you're experiences in your past have still informed what your mindset is now, right? Um, so that's something else that I wanted to share about self-worth coaching. There is going to be a link down in the show notes below book an introductory coaching session. I do have discounted sessions for your first session as well. Um, so you're welcome to sign up for that anytime. And I love you so, so much. Thank you so much for joining me again for season two. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Becoming Enough. I am so, so grateful to have you here and that you listened to the entire episode. If you found that this episode helped you in any way, please share it on Instagram and tag me at BETI Grew Up. And if you'd like to support another way, I would really appreciate any donation of any kind. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can donate or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help me so, so much and they help other people like us find the podcast as well. If you'd like to take our journey a step further and work together, you can find the information on how to book a tarot reading or a self-worth coaching session in the show notes below. Thank you again, and I hope you have a beautiful week ahead.